We are going to continue in our series today on how to overcome weakness. And this is such an important series. Uh, Really what we're talking about is how to deal with something that all of us are going to deal with all the time for our whole lives. And it's how to deal with temptation. Do you know we know this? There is an enemy. We are not ignorant of his devices, right? His devices. He, we, we, we literally are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles. That Greek word means he comes down one road, one way against all of us. We know that way is he will throw thoughts in your mind over and over and over And he wants to penetrate your mind so that he can now, it's the Greek word used for, it's it's called noemata, so that he could start playing mind games with you. So what happens is if you look at every temptation, as you go through life, you will encounter a situation that will create an unfulfilled desire in you. Let's say something happens in your life that's really uncomfortable, it's really bad, you might not understand what's going on, right? Let's say if, if, if you've been diagnosed with something in your body, and, and you know maybe your body's hurting, and you have this unfulfilled desire, the desire is to not have your body hurting, and to not, not hear a doctor say, hey, we need to do this, or this is getting worse. You, you want to just live your life and be able to just get up, not take tons of medicine, not have to have a surgical procedure. You just want to just live. You have this desire, but it's unfulfilled, and it, it will put pressure on you. Satan will ask you, when you're believing God for healing, he'll ask you, you know what, well, why aren't you better yet? And and he'll keep throwing thoughts. This is getting worse. What if this continues to get worse? It could be in the financial arena. It could be for a life event. But always, if there's temptation, and you could classify the word temptation really includes, it's temptation, but it's tests and trials. Who's on trial? Who's being tested? You got to get this. It's really not you. It's your faith. Satan, but, but see, it is you because you're going to decide whether to believe God and stand in faith or let go. But really, the Bible talks about the trial of your faith, which is more precious than gold. So we have this going on. We're all going to deal with it. Where I'm going in this series because I'm telling you, there are Christians. Why, why do Christians not go to church? Many of our brothers and sisters have just, they've had things happen in their life. Or they've just, they've had this problem that they've been dealing with. This, this secret sin habit some addiction, some habit, and they never seem to overcome it. And they get on this devilish roller coaster ride where I sin, I, I, I feel bad about that, 
So I confess that before the Lord and I repent of it, but then I sin again and then I repent again, then I sin again and I repent again. And what's happening is that pressure comes back. I mean, and, and what's bad is this might, this is for the person 30 years, 40 years, I've had this problem. And what happens is I come and I really love God, so I repent. And then I start walking again, and I don't want to do it. However, there's a part of me, it's called my flesh and my unrenewed mind, that makes me feel really bad because although I know God doesn't want me to do this, I know it doesn't please him, I know it's even causing death in my life, or it's even affecting my loved ones that I love, but I keep yielding to it. And that's what a temptation is. Satan is trying to get you to yield to something that will hurt you and hurt those around you. He's trying to get you to yield so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. Because he, here's the reality for him in your life. As a child of God, he's a defeated foe. He has been stripped of all of his power. You actually have the authority over him. But he will ignite, he'll try to ignite something in your unrenewed mind. He'll try to ignite your flesh, which is not hard to do. That, that, that ignites all the time, right? That's how come Paul said, listen, you want to walk in victory? Romans 12.1. Listen, I'm begging you guys, you have to present your body a living holy sacrifice. And you know it's living because that sucker tries to crawl off that altar all the time, right? So, so he does that so that you yield. Well, I'm here to tell you there is a way out. God has provided in his word a way out for you. So what's going to happen as we go into this series is you're just going to all of a sudden know how to walk, how to literally trust him and let God walk you out. What would it be like? You know, just sit there and smile. You all look so good this morning. But if there's any of you going through some stuff, if there's anybody who's dealt with addiction, if there's anybody who's, who's facing some temptation, and maybe you failed over and over and over, decade after decade after decade, it's not too late because you are already free. Jesus made you free. So now the word of God and the spirit of God will literally take you by the hand and meet you right where you are and walk you out of it completely so that that thing that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. And we're going to talk about how to do that, okay? So this is why this is so important. This is why don't ever judge a believer. Now, I can tell you this, the one you judge the most is yourself, but, but judging yourself is okay. I judge myself, so I'm not judged, but I'm never to condemn myself, because God never condemns you. If you're sitting here with some secret thing in your life that you've never been able to overcome, or something has happened to you, and you're sitting here and you're going, listen... I love God, I know he's good, but man, am I mad at him because I don't understand why this happened. And I yield to wrong thoughts and it takes me down a wrong path. Listen, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God is not mad at you for where you are. 
He's not going to come and condemn you and get mad at you and get down on you for where you are. That's not who he is. He already condemned all of the sin in the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. So he made you free. Well, now 2022 is all about you walking in freedom. And I'm telling you, this stuff is not taught a lot. But this is why, if you'll notice, every service this whole year has been about learning how to think right, learning how to walk free so that you can walk in the freedom that you have already been given, that you already possess. Hallelujah. So let's get into this. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 13. Well, we'll... Yeah, we'll look at verse 13. We, we went big into this last week. I just want to touch on a couple things and then keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, There hath no temptation, which you could put in your Bible, that word means temptation, but it also means a test and a trial. There hath no temptation taken you, that word taken means there's no temptation that's got grabbed a hold of you. That's what temptation does. It kind of grabs you. Okay? But such as is common to man. In other words, you've ne you're never going to be tempted in something brand new that your brothers and sisters have not been tempted with or Jesus has not been tempted with. It's all common to man. Okay? And it says here, but God is faithful. In other words, in this thing we deal with literally every day of our lives on this earth, in the area of temptation, your God wants you to know that he's faithful. Whew. He's so faithful. When you're not faithful, he's faithful. See, this is why People that don't know the Lord, when they come around a Christian, they should feel the love, the, the power of the love of God because we've been forgiven. We've been made new, not because of us, but because of Jesus. We've been given God's quality of life. It's amazing. It says, but God is faithful who will not suffer, that means he will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. He'll never allow it. Isn't that amazing? There will never be an enemy that gets in the ring of your life that can take you out. He won't allow it. He knows right where you are today. Even if maybe where you are, you're not supposed to be there. He won't ever, he, it doesn't matter if you, you've been sitting there and knowing you've had to put the word first and you need to find out about how to walk by faith and you've just not done it, listen, and, you're, and you find yourself, you know, a 40-year-old baby Christian or a 70-year-old baby Christian, don't worry about that. He won't let anything bigger than you get in your life and come at you. It says here, but will with the temptation. So when that trial comes at you, he'll make a way of escape for you. He'll, and, that, and that word in the Greek, literally, he'll make a way out for you. 
that you may be able to bear or endure it. So God is faithful. Every time there's a temptation, a test, and a trial that comes at you, God always makes a way out. And guess who's the one that leads you out? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, through the word of God, will lead you out. So we're going to talk about that a lot. So as we said last week, temptation, test, trials, as we just said even a few minutes ago, it's, it's the enemy. He's putting pressure on you to get you to yield to something that will hurt you, could hurt others around you. He's getting you to make a wrong decision. He's getting you to try to go a wrong way. On the path of the righteous, it's full of light. The path of the righteous increases, so he's going to put pressure to try to get you off the path. He can't knock you off the path, but he he puts pressure so that you can decide to get off the path. And you don't want to get off the path, right? So it's the reason why, what we're doing in this series is we're teaching you how to shut every door and how to let the word of God be the thing that, that, that seals everything in your life. You put all the pressure on the word for everything. I'm kept by him. My faith is in him. It's not in me. My job is a rest. That, that's, that's the biggest thing that the enemy tries to hang on to or tries to get you to hang on to is believing that this whole deal is up to you. And it's not. Jesus has provided. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He does it. He's the deliverer, not you. He's the one who's going to make you successful, not you. Right? It's a great way to live. God is always faithful. And you got to know this, God is never the one that tempts. He, he's never the one bringing the pressure, ever. God will never pressure you to do anything. He will lead you, but he will never pressure you. It's one of the biggest ways. And, and you need to realize, if there's pressure in your life today to go a wrong way, to do something contrary, you need to realize that is the enemy. And don't yield to that, ever. James chapter 1, verse 13, we went through this last week as well. James 1, 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. God tempts no one. God will never tempt you. God is the one who's for you. He's never the one who's against you, right? Satan is the one who is always against you. But we are never to be afraid of him. We are never to be afraid of him at all because he is a defeated foe. And we have to learn our authority in Christ. It's natural for you to walk in authority because you've been made, you've been, you've been literally made born again. He made you his righteousness. I love that. See, Satan, all these demonic spirits, all these principalities that are set against us, 
Are they real? Absolutely. But they have no power, so all they're going to do is throw thoughts. They look at your words, they look at your lifestyle, and they keep throwing thoughts. They know if you're in faith or not. When they start to hear you take thoughts by saying, literally, you start saying what they're, what they're throwing, they know you're taking those thoughts, and what they will do is they will keep that going. They'll use people, they'll use circumstances. You don't have to go very far in the world. This is the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there's some beautiful places, but all of us, listen, when Jesus comes down and sets up his kingdom, or in the new heaven, when he renovates this thing after the mess that the tribulation period has, we're going to walk around going, we thought that was beautiful. But you know, everything down here is dying. But that's not going to be like that when he shows up, right? Satan can give you trouble if and only if you choose to yield to him. And that's why we talk about how to overcome weakness. What is weakness when you yield to him? You can get to the place where you never yield to him. Do you know that? You never have to yield to him. You've been made free. I love that. It says in Luke chapter 10, one, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I have a whole lot of them. But this is a great one. And you've heard me quote this so many times. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Jesus said, listen, behold, I give you delegated authority. We know from other scriptures it's delegated authority. Now I'm quoting the Greek word. I give unto you power. That word power means delegated authority. To tread upon. What? Serpents and scorpions. That's always a type of the satanic hierarchy. The Greek word tread on literally means to have absolute mastery over. Jesus is saying, behold, I give you delegated authority in my name to have absolute mastery over all principalities, all powers, all rulers of darkness, rulers of the darkness of this world, over all spiritual wickedness in high places, over every demon. And I've also given you delegated authority in my name to have absolute mastery over what? Over all the power of the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan. You have delegated authority over all of his power. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Did you notice it doesn't say, it, it, see this word power? This, this word literally doesn't mean delegated authority because he doesn't have any. He had it, but Jesus took it away from him. So that Greek word power is different than the first one. It literally means ability. What is his ability? He's a deceiver. Master deceiver. Right? So that's why you give no place to him. That means you give no place to those thoughts. You give no place to what's going on in the natural. Other than you take authority and you command it to change. And come in line with the word of God. 
The Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Right? So in other words, the authority is greater because of who backs the authority. So you have authority in your life to get the enemy out. Paul asked, Paul asked the Lord three times, listen, this messenger is Satan that's messing with me. You see it all throughout the ministry of Paul. One minute they think he's a god, the next minute they're beating him with rods. They're stoning him. They're throwing him in prison. Everything to try to stop what he's doing. He, he, he asked the Lord three times, can you take this away from me? Take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And God didn't say no, but he gave him his answer. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And you know, we know, we know Paul dealt with that. Because at the end of Paul's life, he said, I've run my race. I have finished my course. He went further. He went further than he should have gone. A man should go. But he did it and he fulfilled the plan of God. Why? Because he knew, listen, when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. He said this in another scripture. He goes, I am who I am by the grace of God. He lived his life on the ability of God and the strength of God, not his own ability. Interesting. And it says here, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So I, I say, if the word says that, and it's not subject to change, then I don't know about you, but, well, I think I do know about you. I'm done with anything hurting me, right? Because anything hurting me now, I realize this is illegal. He has no legal right. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to kind of start getting into some new stuff now. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, talking about Satan. It says this, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. What is an, the word angel? You know what the word angel means. It literally means a messenger. Satan himself is transformed into an, a messenger of light. In other words, if you're looking for this big, ugly, demonic-looking, evil, loud thing coming at you, many times be real careful. Do you know how many times believers, they think that they are being led by the Spirit of God when actually they are being driven and pushed by the enemy? Because he transforms himself into an angel of light. Have you ever been around anybody demon-possessed? Every situation that I've ever been in, everyone, man, this person will start quoting scripture over and over and over. And it's accurate for about two minutes. And then all of a sudden, but even when it's accurate, it's... There's just something that's just not right. And then pretty soon, if you know the word, they'll start quoting scripture to try to lead you in a way, but then they leave out a part. And they, see, it's, it's always twisted with Satan. But he'll come to you as an angel of light. 
There's been so many Christians that make, they have, because they have blind spots in their life, because of pride, they're living for themselves. And here's, here's the reason why most Christians, if not all Christians, have blind spots. It's because they have been yielding to wrong things. And it creates a blind spot. Some, I mean, when you meet somebody that comes off as I am the most spiritually mature person on the planet, the only word that comes up on my mind is yikes. Right? Wow. Okay. Because a, a spiritually mature person will literally, they know that they are who they are by the grace of God. I'm not trying to keep myself. Uh, he keeps me. Everything good that happens in my life is because I am living in him. Right? So it, it's just a different thing. Many are being deceived by the enemy as they think they're being led by God. we got to be real careful. John chapter 8, verse 44. Check this out. This is what you need to know, because this is a big thing about how people never get free as children of God. Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father you will do so look, now it's going to talk about Satan. We're talking about who he is. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Okay? Look, now keep going with this. Because there is no truth in him. Look at this. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar. Now here's the big part, and he is the father of it. So I've often said that Satan can't create anything. So I have to tell you, there is one thing that he created. You need to know this, he created lying. He's the father of lying, right? you got to know this. This is why God hates lying. But he loves the liar. But he hates lying, right? There were no lies until Satan created them. To fellowship with God, not have a relationship. You could have a relationship with God. You could be born again. But to fellowship with him, you must be honest. And this, when we think of honest, we think of, well, okay, so I won't lie. Okay? Hey, sweetheart, you know what? I am going to, I'm going to start working out three times a week. I'm going to do that. And then I work out three times a week for one week. But the minute I work, if I said three times a week and I work out two times a week, guess what I just did? I told a lie. And you think, come on, pastor. I'm telling you, lying is not just getting in a situation and just going, you know, with cookie on your mouth like my little grandson did you just eat a cookie? No. 
right. Right. No, it's not just, it's not just a bold, it could be anything. You've got to be careful that when you speak something, that you do it. Because if you don't, you will not believe your words when it comes to believing God for something. Your, mouth, your, your heart will not believe your mouth. So, so, so don't start out saying, I'm going to work out three times a week. Right? You got, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you something, how subtle this is. But pastor, come on, that's ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous? It's not ridiculous. Because if you speak something that you don't do, that's a lie. And that, where did that come from? See, why, why is fellowship broken? Because the word says light cannot, cannot fellowship with darkness. So God, your father's going, get the darkness out. I'll help you. So James chapter 4, verse 7, this is why it says, submit yourself to God. Then you're in a position to resist the devil, and he will flee from you as in terror. So in other words, with temptation, as I said last week, we have to clearly distinguish the source of the temptation, test, or trial. We have to see where the pressure is coming from, and then we resist it. How often? Constantly. I take every thought captive. See, I hope as we're teaching this that you get real excited. And I also hope that you're given a glimpse into how important this is. Because you have been made in the image of God. You're a speaking spirit. You're not like all the other creation, animals and all that stuff that operate on instinct. You're a speaking spirit. What does that mean? You have the ability to speak the word of God out of your mouth that you believe in your heart and the very God, the creator of the universe will work it out and perform it. You are literally self-programmable. I mean, you can do anything that God calls you to do. You, could, you can do that because the Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. So you can walk free from all of this. You could have authority and dominion in your life. You could walk free from addiction, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. You could walk completely free from all of it. You could walk free from sin habits. You could walk free from selfishness and self-centeredness. You can walk completely free from all of it. You can literally walk like Jesus walked on this earth. The enemy throws thoughts. He uses people and he uses circumstances to bring pressure to get you to yield. And those thoughts, if you, if you see, it, it's a thought, but it has within it, it, it makes your flesh urge to do something. It's pressure to get you to act. To get your will to say, I want this and I want it now. Be real careful with that. 
It's his thoughts are always pressing you to yield. God's thoughts from the inside are always wooing you to yield. From the outside, it's always pressing you. You will do this. So he said this. We just started this. I kind of left you out on a limb last Sunday. But there are two things that you need to walk in freedom and stay free. You're already, you're already been made free, but to walk it out in your life and to stay outwardly in that position of freedom, you need the grace of God and you need the faith of God. Now we're also, where we're going is we're going to teach you two things that you have to do to walk in the grace of God and the faith of God. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, turn there if you would in your Bibles. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5, 5. Boy, I hope this is coming off light and full of life and encouraging you. This is so important. It is so very important. The grace of God and the faith of God will break the cycle of yielding to temptation. It'll break it. It'll actually destroy it. So 1 Peter 5, 5, talking about the grace of God. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists. He opposes the proud, but gives grace, grace, charis. The grace of God is the divine influence on, the, on your heart and its manifestation out of your life. It is God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. It is literally the ability of God going to work in your life. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, pride will get people to hide things and will get people to act like there's no problem. If you yield to something long enough, it'll get so cloudy that you'll actually begin to think, well, I'm, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm okay. But what that is, you're playing mind games now with yourself and it's messing you up. You have to stop blaming others for your problems, right? If there's anything in your life, you need to realize, listen, God has made you his child. You have authority. Don't blame anyone else. Even if somebody else hurts you and it, and, 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 and it was not your fault at all, still don't blame them. Forgive them and, and embrace this so you can walk free. Blaming others, I'll never forget when I preached in the L.A. County Jail for the first time. When I was 21 years old, I could, I, it was the first time I could sign my life away. Because to go in there and minister, you had to sign that if there's a riot, if there's anything, they take you hostage, there is no negotiation. Basically, they come in shooting. If you don't make it, well, you don't make it. So, so, you know, I'm 21, I don't care, because I think I'm going to live forever, right? So I sign, I'm just, yeah, whatever. And then all, and it, was, it was literally the first time I had, I had ever been 
<laughs> it's the first time I've ever been in jail. Somebody could take that, edit that, see, wow, right? <laughs> first time I'd ever been in jail. And I'm walking with this guard who was pretty buffed out, but he had no gun. And we're walking together, but I'm seeing a lot of guys. I mean, we're in the general prison population. It's gangland Los Angeles, right? And uh, they just didn't look like they played well with other children, right? You know, <laughs> and some bigger, bigger guys, all this stuff. And so I'm walking and I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of wild. And then there was this one guy, man, this one guy, he's probably 6'8", six, 6'9", six, just massive guy. And he had this paperback Bible that was wore out in his hand. And he looked down at me like I was a little kid. He's like, oh, you're coming to minister today? And I'm like, yeah, you know? And he's like, that's awesome. And I shook his hand. I felt like a little kid because its hand was like massive, right? So I go in this room and there's like 600 inmates. And I'm with this team. You know, I'm just going along. And there was like six of us. And there's one guard and he stayed in there. And there's 600 inmates. And he said, you know, he goes, you could interact for like 30 minutes and then we'll get started. So, so I would talk to different different guys, and, and there were some pretty rough-looking guys, but you could see the ones that were saved. They're just a light on their face. And uh, then there were some other ones that, that that light was not on yet, you know? And, uh, and so, but what was amazing is I had this message on the love of God because I just really wanted them to know how much God loved them. And, you know, I just, it's just the way in my makeup, whenever God sends me someplace, I instantly fall in love with everybody. And, you know, I'm 21 years old, so I, I really knew nothing, you know. And, uh, but I've never been one to think I knew a lot. This whole thing about God was so big, I'm just like, man, I just love knowing what I know. You know, it's awesome. So I'm talking to all these guys, and over and over again, they would all talk to me about, yeah, you know, I'm in here, but this is why. And it was never their fault. Always had reasons. So I get up to, it's my turn to get up to preach. And I'm going to start talking about the love of God. And I get up and I literally say out of my mouth, all of you men are ridiculous. I have never met so many ridiculous. And when I, I I'm, I'm like on the inside of me or in my mind, I'm going, you're going to die. Because you could see all of them were kind of happy. And when I said that, you know, I go, I, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, everybody's just blaming everybody for where you are. I've never, I've never met so many ridiculous people. And, and they're just like, like, and then pretty soon they're looking at me like, and, and, you know, I didn't really look at the team, but afterwards they're like, we're going, what are you doing? Because everybody else is going, kill him. We're not saying that, you know, right? I didn't know that. They're all kind of like, right? So, and then I said a statement came right out of my spirit that years later saved my life. He said, when you blame others, you lose your ability to change. And you play right into the enemy's hand. And, and when I said that, everybody went, and then I just, it was just the love of God just poured out. Years later, when I was blaming everybody, that first time I ministered in that prison, 
You know, those guys got blessed, but that statement, man, it saved my life. Because we're all in the same boat. But you can't blame anyone else. You have to stop blaming others for your problems. You have to stop blaming God, maybe. Because there's one thing as you live, it's the first book written in the Bible, the book of Job. The actual question of Job is, when you don't understand what's happening, are you still going to believe what the word says about God, that he's good all the time? That'll get you through everything. Because there's some things he's not going to tell you. If you ask him, he won't tell you if it will hurt you or if you're not ready for it. He only does everything with his kids to move them into life. Sometimes you ask him a question and it's 20 years later. And when he answers it, you'll remember. He'll bring to your remembrance. But now he's gotten enough in you to where that answer is going to help you. But everybody, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to be walking around going, oh, yeah, really, he is good. Right? Pride gets people to hide things and act like there's no problems. You have to be honest with God so that you can be honest with yourself. Be honest with him. You know as we're sitting here, as we're all here today, our Father, the Lord Jesus, and the mighty Holy Spirit see right into you. They see everything. And their heart is they want to literally woo you and walk you into freedom. They're not here today to, to judge you and, and to do, you know, get down on you. No, no, no. They love you. They love you. A big part of being humble is being honest. To receive God's grace. See, we got a lot of people teaching on the grace of God that are missing it right here. To really receive the grace of God in your life, you've got to get real. You have to get real. Now that sounds really easy. But I'm telling you, when you yield to the enemy long enough, you think you're real when you're not. And so, so you go to the Lord, Lord, show me what I'm not seeing. If there's any blind spots in my life, show me. And then just you just meditate in this word day and night. He'll start sending you to scriptures. He'll bring people across your paths. He will get, he'll show you every blind spot. But you're going to have to get real to walk with him, to receive from his grace. John 8, 36 says, If the Son therefore hath, or if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And guess what? Jesus said this when he was on the earth. But now we know, we could read it this way, if the Son therefore hath made me free, I am free. Because I'm a New Testament believer. So let's talk a little bit about faith. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and verse 23, Jesus answering. This is one of the, one of the greatest things, and I want to show this out uh, in, in relation to faith. So with the grace of God, we got to receive that. 
To do that, we're going to have to be honest. We're going to have to get real with ourselves. We're going to have to start, stop blaming others. Faith now. Jesus answered them and says, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Here is how you can walk and operate in the faith that God has. And look at what he says in the operation of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Now, now check this out. And shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You must believe in your heart that when you say something, you believe it. Your heart believes it. This is very important. That's why be careful with making commitments. Be careful, you know, hey, I will be there at this time or to your spouse or to your children. Be careful. How many parents, or in our case, grandparents, go, stop, stop doing that. Stop it, stop it. And they're just acting like they're just doing it. Then finally, like, hey, stop that right now. And then, then they kind of get their attention. But sometimes that doesn't even work. Right? Stop that or we're going to bring some correction and then you don't. Here's the one. Count the three. I remember when we were doing that with our kids, we we're like, this is a good idea. Okay, one, two, and then they, then they you know. And, and somebody at church, friends of ours, came to me. I was, I was a pastor on staff and, he, and, and they said, you know, um, are you sure that you want to teach your kids that they don't have to obey until three. Because the word says we're to instantly obey the word. So, you know, if they're running and you see a car coming, do you really want them to stop on three? Because they might die, right? But see, as parents, be careful. Always do what you say. Because if you don't, what are you? A liar. Well, you're not really a liar, but you're now yielding to something and it's going to mess up Mark eleven twenty three, because you're not going to be able to, every time you're like, Father, you know, and you could quote the scriptures if you've been around here. Jesus himself, Matthew 8, 17, he bore my sickness and carried my pain. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, by his stripes I am healed in Jesus' name. You can even say it loud. But your heart's going, I don't really believe what you say. And faith was never released. See, people think faith's released when we quote a scripture. But a parrot can quote a scripture. But faith is released when you believe in your heart and you speak it out of your mouth what you believe in your heart. Now there's power. So this is why, why am I talking about this? We're talking about how to get free from weakness. 
we got to stop saying a bunch of crazy stuff. 2 Corinthians 4.13 talks a little bit even more about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. In other words, you can't separate faith from what you say. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb, grace, and by the word of their testimony, faith. Do you see that? And they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame Satan by what Jesus did and what they said. You overcome Satan by what Jesus did and what you say. That's how come life and death, it's in the power of your tongue. Grace provided it, faith receives it. Grace is God's part, really faith is God's part, but the releasing and being in faith is our part. I've got to believe the word. I've got to make a choice to believe the word and then act on it and speak it. In other words, everything that has been paid for for you already must be received. Did you notice it just doesn't happen? Right? If you looked... Let, let's, let's look at this for a second. If you looked free and you felt free you would not have to believe that you were free if you looked healed and you felt healed you go to the doctor he brings out your blood work he brings out the MRI man your blood work is perfect the MRI, there is nothing wrong with you at all. Would you have to believe you're healed? No, you'd know that. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. You must make your tongue say what you believe, not what you feel or not what you see in the natural. See, if you saw it in the natural, that's not faith. You Now you know it. But boy, you got, in order to know something and have something, you got to believe something. Right? Woman with the issue of blood. She didn't say anything until she believed something. She didn't have anything happen until she said something. Right? First Corinth, or 1 John chapter 5, it says this in verse 4 and 5. For whatsoever, really it's whosoever, is born of God, overcomes. This, this Greek word, nikeo, literally means you overcome because of the delegated authority you've been given. Overcomes the world system, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I love that. Hallelujah. So what do you do? When you're in this place, you might be here, sitting here today. 
you might be watching online, what do you do when you're in a place where you've yielded to temptation over and over and over and over, year after year, decade after decade? What do you do? Because you get to a place where you, it's like, I can't even, I can't even see myself free from this. I, I, it's just cloudy. I, I don't really have any hope that I could ever overcome this. Now, now, Christians in our circles will never say that to anybody else. But that's what they say when they're alone. I, I really want to be free from this. But part of me doesn't. And I feel guilty about that. But what do I do when you feel that you have no faith? When you feel that there's no hope to ever get free, what do you do? A part of you even wants to continue to do what you actually despise. What do you do? Number one, you have to be willing to be willing. Right? You have to be willing. You just, you just have to get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm just, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to ever walk free from this, but I'm making a decision today that I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do because I love you and I want to please you. This thing is hurting me. It's hurting those around me. It's stopping the plan, your plan for my life. So I'm willing Turn to John chapter 7 in relation to this. Now this is how you walk in the faith and the grace of God. John 7, 17. I hope this is helping you a little bit today. Hallelujah. This is not one of these rah-rah things, but man, the rah-rah comes afterwards in your life. If you'll notice, there's been no really cool leadership quotes Right? Because there's nothing as cool as being free. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, destroys the yoke. John 7, 17, I love this verse. It says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If any man will to do his will, he's going to know, is this God or is this not? But if you're sitting there and you're not willing to do his will, you won't know. There's a whole bunch of word of faith Christians out there that can quote all kinds of scriptures and they're not walking in any of them. And they can't figure it out. When you yield to wrong things long enough, it'll bring deception and confusion about what is God and what is not. You'll start to hear somebody talk about faith, and it is so incredibly complicated. And you know they're confused. Well, what, you know, what's the difference between faith and belief? And, you know, and, and how do I, it, it just gets, stop. Stop trying to figure this out mentally. Let God just bring light from his word. 
His doctrine is easy. His yoke is light, right? You begin to convince yourself that what you're doing is not as bad as you thought. Things become cloudy. You start to think, well, okay, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not maybe as good as this person, but I, I'm sure, you know, you, you hear about people in the church that mess up. It almost makes you happy. It's like, well, okay, that person's worse than I am. That's great. I feel better about myself now. No, 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 no. That's no way to live. So to get back to where you need to be, to get back to the place of freedom, or to get back to a place of freedom that you've never even known you've ever been at, if you're like me. I was born again, made free, I was so happy. But I didn't know how to overcome my flesh. But how did I get back to this place of freedom? For me, it's like, how did I get to this place called freedom that I didn't even know how good it could be? How do I get there? You have to be willing to be willing. I know that sounds weird. But you got to come to a place in your life where it's like, listen, I do, not, I, I do not care what my flesh wants. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I don't care anything about anything else except I am going to walk this thing out with the Lord because I want to please him because he died for me. And I'm not going to allow anyone or anything get in my way anymore. I don't care how foolish I might look. Right? If I slip up and tell a lie, I'm going to be like, Zach, I'm telling him some story. You know, and when I was in high school playing basketball, I scored 45 points. I can't even talk about basketball anymore. Because I am sure I'm now jumping higher, scoring more, right? It's just been too long. But if I ever say something that's not true, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't care how, how Zach looks at me. I'm going to go, Zach, hold on a second. I just told a lie. Please forgive me. Because I'm going to guard my heart. I am willing to be willing. Does that make sense? This is so important. You're not there yet. But at least you're willing to get there. That's all you're saying. Because see, when you're just willing to get there, you're, you know you're not there, you know, you're, but you, you're like, okay, this thing in my life, part of me really wants it, right? What do they say, like a, a pornographic addiction, it, 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 it fires your brain like a meth, like, you, like you're taking meth. A meth addiction, you could walk free from it. Alcohol, you could walk free from it. Faith in the church is, is we have sparks of it, but we're, we're really not walking. Why? Because we got to deal with this. So where do you go? Just willing. If there is something in you, a love for God, a desire to please him, a desire to do his will, now he has something to work with to get you started. You don't have to be perfect. You know how many people, they're like, yeah, no, I can't go to church. I'd burst into flames if I walked through a church. You know? And, and they've kind of given up on God. Maybe they've never heard about him or they've heard wrong about him. But, but the other end of it is they just kind of feel like, well, I got to get myself together. Do you know how many Christians 
are not in church today, not because of the coronavirus. It's because they're trying, I just got to get some things worked out in my life so that I could come back to church. And then do you know, see, you don't, you don't clean up and then come to God. No, 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 you come to God and then you clean up. Do you know how many Christians Satan's robbing from them, stealing, killing, and destroying because they got blind spots in their life? God's not first, they're not in the word. Some of them even think they are because they could quote a couple scriptures. Or, or, or when, when, when I preach or when, they, when a, they hear a preacher and they understand it in their mind, they're like, yeah, oh yeah, I understand that. Is he going to talk about that again? Because I got that. I could, I could pass that multiple choice test. Well, listen, the test that we have in the church or in the world with our enemy, it's not multiple choice. It's life and death. And you can't fake it. Right? So this is huge. If there's something in you that just wants God, even a little bit, God will meet you right there and you'll give him something to work with. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2, in verse 15, there's, there's some people that are starting to see a little bit right now. In 1 John 2, 15, it says, Love not the world... Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, the love of the world is completely opposed to the love of God. And here's the deal. To get rid of something that your flesh loves. Something that the unrenewed part of your mind wants. You have to love something else more to have the strength to overcome it. So in other words, do you realize you have had the love of God shed abroad in your heart and faith works by love and God wants to bring a revelation knowledge to your heart about how much he loves you right where you are so that you can love him more than this thing. Because that's where the strength comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 20 and 21, it gives you a prayer that you can pray. It's a prayer that will help you get free and stay free. There's a thing we call confession. It's the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. If you say what he says, you will have what you say. So this scripture goes like this. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead or I'm sorry, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, look at verse 21, make you perfect. This Greek word means to fully equip, to be fully prepared, to fully train, to complete thoroughly. In other words, it literally gives you the picture of someone being made who they ought to be. Who makes you perfect? 
the God of peace. Through what? Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. That sounds like freedom. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. When you're not free, it's so cloudy that you really don't see all the blessings that God has for you. But when you get free, it's like you, it's like the fog lifts and you're like, oh my gosh, you start to see all of the things that God wants in your life. It's wonderful. Sin always will cause your heart to be weakened and it will always undermine your faith. So we don't want to miss the mark. When you are in bondage, you're just not aware of all the good things that are happening. You, you're not aware of what you've been given. You, you don't even see when good things are happening when you're in bondage because you can't see them because you're, you're just in bondage. You're just thinking only of yourself. You are not in a position to receive what God has provided for you. So if you take this scripture in Hebrews and you turn that into a prayer, you could pray it like this. Father, I do love you and want to please you. You know, actually, I want you to say this after me if you, if you, if you want to. What we're going to do is we're going to pray Hebrews 13, 21. We're going to turn that into a confession or a prayer. Say this after me. Father, Father I, do I do love you and want to please you. I want to get rid of everything that displeases you. I am asking you in the name of Jesus to make me complete in every good work to do your will. Father, I ask that you would work in me that which is well-pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. I believe that I receive this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I hope this helps you a little bit. We're going to talk more about this. But you got to be willing to be willing. You know, this is so important. Next week we're going to continue with this. Well, actually, not next week. But we're going to continue with this. We're going to get into some other things. One other thing too. You're going to have to get your speech right. You have to, the second thing you have to realize that your words can break bondage and bring freedom into your life. 